What's up guys, welcome to the Meeple Minded Podcast, the podcast where we talk all things tabletop gaming. My name is Jason. And my name's Ian, and along with Paul in the newsroom, join us as we bumble our way through this lovely hobby. So pop the kettle on, grab a brew, and let's get on with this week's episode. Another week, another podcast. How are you today, Ian? Yeah, I'm not too bad. A little bit tired. Um, but other than that, all good. Good to hear, good to hear, mate. Um... Yeah, I, I I think we've both been exceptionally busy this week, haven't we? Yeah. You would work, I'm guessing it's a work thing for you? Work, lockdown, painting of rooms in the house that I'm in, so nice. lots of small little tasks that all need doing. Gotta hate those tasks, man. Gotta hate them. Um, I, I've been lucky I'm not doing those particular tasks, but I've been exceptionally busy behind the scenes doing all the uh, the transcribing of our back podcast episodes that uh, was requested of us so that's kept me pretty busy typing out our entire conversations <laughs> and yeah god do we bumble on <laughs> <laughs> have you uh, other than that have you been up to much recently had much going um, on anything fun i spent some time with my girlfriend as it was her birthday um Went for a few walks, but there's not a lot else we can do at the moment. <laughs> Very true. Have you managed to get any gaming in between you, either digital or, or, um, or physical? I started playing Valheim on the PC quite a lot. Nice. Um, don't think there's been many board games I've had the chance to play much. Uh, still waiting on a few Kickstarters to arrive as well that get continuously delayed. <laughs> the ever excuse, the ever amazing excuses that you see coming out on Kickstarter. <laughs> With obviously COVID being everyone's favourite at the moment. Yep. <laughs> but uh, yeah, it's good to hear you. Um, you managed to spend some time with your partner for her birthday. Did she enjoy it? Did she have anything nice? Yeah, she really did. Um, as I said, it's a shame we couldn't go out and do anything. Um, that's on hold until everything back open again. So I yeah. think it's going to be one of those weird years where everyone celebrates their but like does the Queen and has two birthdays. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been pretty jealous of that every year, so I think that should be a standard thing going forward. <laughs> <laughs> I might be all right. You know, my birthday is towards the end of the year anyway, so fingers ready crossed. For lockdown four. Well, yeah. Let, let, let's not uh, let's not jinx that just yet. <laughs> we have we have plans going forward. Let's. Uh, Let's do our best to stick to them. <laughs> but yeah, it'd be nice to get back to a, some form of normality and, and more importantly, to play games physically, yeah. to be honest. so. But yeah, anyway, let's um, let's crack on. This is a tabletop gaming podcast about tabletop games. So <laughs> let's stop talking about our normal lives and, you know, crack on with that. But just quickly before we do, I would like to take a few seconds to... Uh, to firstly thank all of you guys out there that have, in recent times, done the big follow or subscribe of this podcast, shared it, or even those of you that have taken the time to review it on Apple Podcast, it really does mean the world to all three of us here at The Meeple Minded, and it really does help. Um, I know every podcaster says it, but you know, we we don't do this as a monetary thing. We don't earn from this in any way, shape, or form. So we just do this for the sheer love of the hobby. So yeah, it really does mean the world to us as well. And as an extension of that, it's my second point. I want to say thank you to the people that have 
been over to our brand new YouTube channel and subscribed over there, liked and commented on all the videos we've been doing. It's a learning process for me. I think I'm getting a little bit better in every episode, but I can only go on all your feedback. So once again, thank you very much for that. Anyway, that that's done. Uh, all my you know soppy thank yous are done. And it's now time for us to jump into our game highlight of the week. And for this one, we're going to jump in our DeLorean to accelerate to 88 miles an hour and go back to the year 2011. Uh, I believe Ian has a description of the game he would like to use to see us into this. The call comes in. 999, what's your emergency? On the other end is a panic response of fire! Moments later, you don the protective suits to keep you alive, gather your equipment and rush to the scene of the blazing inferno. The team has only seconds to assess the situation and devise a plan of attack. Then you spring into action like the trained professionals that you are. You must face your fears, never give up, and above all else, work as a team, because the fire is raging, the building is threatening to collapse, and lives are in danger. You must succeed. You are the brave men and women of the fire rescue. People are depending on you, and this is what you do every day. That actually is a really, really good description of the game that we are going to be talking about. And if you haven't guessed it from the title of this podcast, we're going to be talking about Flashpoint Fire Rescue. It's a game by Indie Boards and Cards. It's a cooperative game for two to six players, ages 10 and up. It's a sort of light to mid-weight complexity game with a playtime of about 45 minutes. It's an old game, as we said. It's now 10 years old, which is why we thought we'd revisit it and actually see, has it stood the test of time? Um, And, spoiler, it probably has. (laughs) This is one of my absolute favourites. Sees a lot of players, a lot of wear and tear on the parts, pieces and boxes as they've been used over and over again. <laughs> ah, but we'll get into that very soon, I think, because that, uh, that comes under the quality of it, doesn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so, I mean, the first question, Ian, is can you believe this game is actually 10 years old? It really does not seem like it's 10 years old. It makes me feel old. I remember this being one of the early games I picked up. I don't I didn't kickstart the original game. Um, I didn't get it on dead on release. But this is definitely one of the early points of my collection. It's slowly expanded as time has gone on. Yeah, yeah. I I think this was one of the uh, the f- the first few games that I played. You know, once I transitioned over to to playing board games. But I will say, like before we even jump into this, this game is a true favorite amongst so many of both of our club members it's one of the staples that comes along to us with every club that we run um i personally don't have my own copy as of yet i'm not gonna lie it has been ordered uh (laughs) so that's why you fail (laughs) (laughs) so it will be with me very soon this game has been expanded throughout the years as well i think we were talking beforehand and if it's is it eight or nine expansions at this point Crikey, I'd have to go back and have a look. Um, I own them all. That that tells you something. <laughs> I, be- I believe it's eight, but it could possibly be nine. But either way, eight or nine expansions is impressive, you know, especially in a 10-year span. Um, the game gets so much praise. There's millions of reviews out there, which is why we're, this is kind of more of a, a revisiting because, you know, this has been reviewed left, right, and center. But, yeah, we're, we're going give, to give it the... 10 year old review and uh yeah go from there 
you know, I'll, we'll do things as we usually do. I'll give Ian his chance to do his uh, rules junkie section uh, to tell you how to play the game. And then we'll come back and we'll talk about the stuff that you get in the base game. So, yeah, over to you, Ian, your favorite bit. So I'm going to start with a really basic way of how to play the game. So there's two versions of the game in the base game. You have uh, a yeah, basic game and an expert game. The basic game is like a family-friendly one to introduce you into all the rules. Expert game just starts to expand the rules slightly and give you a bit more variation on how to play. In both variants, the players are attempting to rescue seven of the ten victims from a raging building fire. Um, in the game, there are question mark tokens, of which there are some blanks and some victims. Um, as the players attempt to rescue the victims, the fire will spread throughout the building, causing structural damage and possibly blocking off pathways through the building. Each turn, a player may spend action points that they acquire from their um, specialist cards to try and extinguish fire, move through the building, move victims in and out of the buildings, and perform various special actions such as moving emergency vehicles. If four victims perish in the blaze or the building collapses from taking too much damage, the players lose. Otherwise, the players instantly win when the seventh victim is rescued. The expert variant included with the game adds thematic elements such as a flashover, which is where the fire suddenly spreads uncontrollably, combustible materials, random setup, and variations on the game difficulty from novice to heroic. The game includes double-sided board, two different building plans, and several expansion maps are available. Nice, that is pretty basic. <laughs> but yeah, it gives you a rough idea of what, what the idea of the game actually is. So, yeah. Um, and just, just to expand on that a bit, so at the start of the game, you, you, the map is divided into... Um, 1 to 8 and 1 to 6 along squares along the board you use d6s and d8s to determine which spaces events happen in um, every turn you roll fire dice at the end of the turn to see where new fire spreads by rolling both those dice if you roll a hotspot marker you roll again and place a new hotspot marker as well on the, ne the new space so more and more fire can um, spawn and if you happen to roll somewhere where there already is fire, you cause explosions which cause damage and more fire. Um, otherwise, you know, each character has a certain amount of actions and special actions they can do. And you use all of these to try and get to the question mark tokens which automatically flip once you reach them. And if they are people, you have to rescue them. There's also a cat and a dog. They class as people. Of course they do. Cats and dogs are people, aren't they? They are. <laughs> To quote the Muppets, a celebrity is not a people. <laughs> Indeed. God bless the Muppets before it was Disneyfied. <laughs> I think that one was after it was Disneyfied, just oh, for the record. Wow. Yeah. I take back my claim. Okay, okay. So that's how the game is played. Uh, two very different types of play style in that game, I must admit. I prefer playing the advanced side of things. Um, and as Ian will probably attest to, we both prefer playing with certain expansions, but we are focusing on the base game of Flashpoint today. We will, however, be going into some of the expansions in a bit more detail in the coming weeks. Yeah, we decided there's enough content in the expansions that they warrant their own, their own looking at another day. The only thing I will say, without any um, going into any detail... The latest expansion, Tragic, Tragic Events, is a must-have for this game. Yeah, I, I haven't. I, I don't. Is that one that I've played to this point? I believe point? so. It's the one okay. with the. It changes the mechanic in the game, the hotspots and the events. 
<laughs> oh yes, I think I have. Yeah. Um. So yeah, it. it I mean. There's enough one. There's enough content to warrant more than one episode. But more importantly, a game to still be popular and talked about after ten years is no small feat. So yeah, it's worthy of the celebration. Going back to the base game, what is it that you get in the board? Now, before we do this, I am actually going to say this game. I have. I've actually purchased this game today, and I paid thirty pounds. Thirty pounds for this game. Now let's talk about the components that come in the box. Get ready, this is a long list. So first off, you have a double-sided game board. Then you have six plastic firefighter tokens, which are miniatures. Noted that the original release of these did not have miniatures. They were the basic old-school pawns that you used to get with board games. You get 33 double-sided threat markers... With fire on one side and smoke on the other. 18. You get 18 double-sided points of interest markers. With a question mark on one side or victims or nothing on the other side. 24 black wooden damage cubes. 8 double-sided door markers. uh, One side showing open, one side showing closed. 21 action point trackers. 6 player cards. Eight player aid cards, two dice, one of which is a d6, the other is a d8. And then the rest of them is basically stuff you would use in the advanced versions, which is 24 hotspot markers, six hazmat markers, three heal tokens, three vehicle markers, eight specialist cards, and instruction. This game costs £30, people. £30. I mean, value for money in this game is crazy. Absolutely amazing. I'm blown away by the sheer volume of stuff you get in this box for for the money. So the real question is, have they skimped out on the quality? We're going to go into that now. Ian, it's your game. I'll let you start. How do you feel is the quality for those components? I think it's really good. Um, It survived the test of time of being carted around to board game groups for... I think my copies are like six, seven years old. Um... Artwork on it is really, really good. The plastic models are really, really good. Um, one day I'll actually get around to painting them. <laughs> I think uh, mine's going to be painted before yours, aren't they? <laughs> probably. But yeah, it's, it, as I said, it's one of my favourite games and gets used a lot. Mm. And the cardstock's nice. Tokens are good. My only qualm is with mixing both the expansions and the base game there were some tokens that had different coloured backing from different print runs, which right. was rather disappointing um, to have a negative in there. Well, I think it's it's going to be one of those that we actually struggle to get negative, so it's time to get pretty uh, pernickety about the uh, the negatives, I think. Um, yeah, for like I said, I don't personally own this game as of yet. I have purchased it. I'm waiting for it to turn up, but I have obviously played this game many, many times now. The quality of the the stuff is pretty damn good. Um, it's not cheap. It's not nasty. It ha- as Ian said, it has stood the test of time, which I can't say that about a lot of games that cost a lot more. To be honest, um, so yeah, quality of those components is fantastic. And Ian has obviously got the second print run because he has the miniatures, um, so it does show. 
that even though it wasn't their first print run, they didn't skimp on the on the uh, the quality on the second run. So yeah, I, I don't think we can say anything more about the quality really because there's nothing really to pick at other than what you've already said. Yeah, the quality's good, but what about our opinions of the game? What what are your opinions of the game other than the fact that it's really good? As I said, I absolutely love it. There's a lot of um, it's a really good standard co-op game. There's a lot of strategy involved. You're limited by what actions you can do. You have no idea what the random elements of the game are going to do to you in between each player's turn. Um, you know, and it's one of those games where, like, just the base game comes with eight different specialists. You only can have a maximum of six players, but you kind of feel like you need all eight of those specialists in the game regardless. You know, you, you always feel something's missing, yeah. but in a good way. Yeah. You know, you're penalised for not having a particular person out in the field. Mm. But at the same time, you know, if you you can crew change as well. One of the actions we haven't mentioned is an option. Costs a hell of a lot of action points to do. And mm. you know damn well the moment you change your crew, you'll need the one that you got rid of. Yeah, yeah, definitely. <laughs> Obviously, that's that's all part of the advanced uh, the advanced game. As we said, we, we have focused our attentions a bit more on the advanced because it's what we like to play, but... The um the family version as well is just as fun and it's something this is another reason why I was able to justify actually purchasing this. This is the kind of game that my little one is going to absolutely love. So uh yeah. Can't wait to to really hit that up as well. It's gonna be hard, I think, playing the family version when I'm so used to the advanced. Um but I would say like my opinions of the gameplay, it's so easy. It's it's quite pandemic esque. I don't know if anyone, if you feel that way as well. I don't know. Um, it is in the way that the board is always changing itself, um, and you always feel like you're on the back foot. You know, with the fire continuously raging in different ways, trying to manage damage. If you leave things alone too often to focus on your main target, you'll get overrun. So in that respect, yes. But um, I think it's a lot more visual and a lot more dynamic than pandemic is. Hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, okay, okay, I can agree with that. Um, it has got some similarities, as I said, but I think theme-wise, I actually, I think I prefer this to to Pandemic itself. And it is, I find it, it although it can be pretty brutal, um, especially in the advanced game where you know certain things and you know you can lose in a couple of turns. But I, I do think, for the most part, it's a little bit more easygoing than pandemic but can be just as 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 brutal as, as as the likes of pandemic this to me is another one of these fantastic games that is is gateway i, I would actually put this as a gateway game although it's not billed as a gateway game like um ticket to ride i you could you could get non-gamers playing this and they would easily be allowed to follow on but yeah i i I'm not going to lie, I think this is going to be our first really high-ranked game for our, our votes. I don't know what Ian's going to vote for this. I know what I'm voting for it. But yeah, I think our Meeple rating for this one's going to be... It's going to be a high one, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> so, as it, as it's your game, let's, let's go to our final pros and cons, our final thoughts... Uh, and yeah, your your summary for Flashpoint Fire Rescue, the base game. Pros, it's just it's one of the best co-op games out there. I said it's it's always ever changing. No two games ever feel the same. 
the artwork range is really good on it you know the fun thing for a lot of us is we always love to try and rescue the dog and the cat over everyone else i have a, a reputation now for trying to rescue the said dog and it dying every single time that i do so it's got the meme potential in there as well um for another funny story with this game is one of the um maps on this has a door next to a kitchen and we had someone playing the fire captain who can use ability their abilities to move other players and literally the whole game all they did was come in the door put out the free freezer stand back outside and boss everyone else around so we said they just came in to rescue the ice cream and then keep everyone else alive <laughs> that sounds like something i would do um but you know there's, there's a lot to this game you can have a good laugh um and you know there's so much potential especially when you start adding expansions in however my negative to this is to do with the expansions is i can't play this game without some of the expansions now um the characters that get added in and the tragic events completely changing the dynamic of the game which is slightly flawed the hotspot mechanic in this game is so you start the game with three hotspots and every time fire or smoke spawns on a hotspot you have to roll the fire dice again yeah. If you're unlucky with the dice, because it's very luck-based at that point, you can have absolute horrendous games, you know, due to just bad luck. And you know, and every time a fire explodes by rolling on the same thing, you're damaging. So you can go from like four damage cubes on the board to it nearly collapsing in one turn. Yeah. Um, that gets tweaked slightly with the um, tra tragic events expansion, but. You know, again, that's that's a conversation for the expansions part as well. Mm. So I just find it very hard to shift back to the base game now. I've had that experience with the options available from it. Yeah, wouldn't mean I wouldn't play it. It's just I prefer it with. with. Yeah, I think I, I think I agree. I, I def as we already said, so I think both of us prefer this game without. Uh, sorry, with the expansions. Um, however, if those expansions didn't exist. I, I would have no problem playing this game at all. Uh, it's 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 great. It's so fun and thematic. Um, it's it's great for the family as well as established gamers that just want a really hard time. You know, some of those advanced rules where you get to have a bigger fire at the start because we're insane. You know, it's. <laughs> It's really, really cool. I love, I love how the game mechanics work. Um, for my my final summaries of it, like Flashpoint is incredibly immersive. It's very thematic. It's quite tense at times because of the way the game is and how tense it can be. The forced cooperative aspect of it is it really does make you work as a team. And some co-op games, yeah, you work with other people, but you don't feel like. I had to do it. Whereas this, you really are forced into becoming essentially one of the heroic firefighters out there, you know, where everything is about teamwork. If you are a firefighter and you're not a team player, then you're probably not actually a firefighter. You know, they trust each other with their lives and they work exceptionally well as in a team. So this game does a really good job of, of actually doing that. I would love to get around a table with a load of firefighters and actually play a game and, and actually get their opinions as to just how realistic they've managed to, to make this while keeping it, you know, family friendly because bad things do happen in birding buildings. And uh, I think that's definitely something that 
is replicated in this game. Um, and if you've got children that are easily upset by, say, a pet cat being burned alive, uh, yeah, may, maybe come up with a, a little story like it found an open hole and jumped out of it instead of dying. But uh, yes, I I am so, so happy with this game. Um, yep. I, I love the mechanics of it as well. I love how... I'm not usually a huge fan of like pure luck based or, or you know randomness of or too much randomness in a game, but the two dice thing basically determining how the fire's gonna go uh, at the end of every turn is amazing because it really does replicate how unpredictable a fire actually is. How do you I mean, does that is that a mechanic you like about it or would you prefer it to be a bit more uniform spawn X amount of fires at the end of the turn? I like it the way it is. As I said, there is a better way of doing this that they cover with the expansions. The problem I have with the randomness they have in the base game is it can be too random. It's a bit like um, it'd be like playing Pandemic if you didn't split the deck up of having all of the outbreak cards mm. separated into quarters in the deck, so you could have eight in a row. Yeah, you know, you would just lose the game at that point, and this game unfortunately has that as a mechanic built in in the base game mm. and you can't stop it because it's all done with dice rolls yeah if you're unlucky and just keep rolling hot spots so you keep churning onto another hot spot and causing explosions everywhere you just can't stop it which they do address you know it's yeah. a problem that obviously i'm not the only one that's felt like is an issue yeah um that they do cover but that would be my only negative to the base game's randomness mm. is sometimes it's too random I think the uh, the description I gave once of how random the the fires are in the game was one you know one turn you get a, a small Boy Scouts fire and then the following turn it's a village fake bonfire on Guy Fawkes night you know it's it's night and day sort of <laughs> difference so yeah um, I one of my it's not an issue with the game really um, but one of the things that I have for this is because of how much team aspect is required in this game it does lend itself a lot to you know those quarterbacking players um but i think as long as you've got a good group of players and especially if you're playing with the advanced rules where essentially everyone is required to work together that will help with regards to you know players trying to take over but yeah the theme absolutely love it I watched Fireman Sam as when I was a kid, as did my son. And at one point or another, I'm sure everyone has said, I want to be a firefighter when I grow up. I think it's great, actually, to for the kids as well, because it actually shows them just how important fire safety is as well. So there's a little bit of an educational thing here, because any parent can actually play this with this, their child and actually demonstrate just how dangerous a fire could be and why fire safety is so important. I don't know if, again, I don't know if that's something anyone else has really thought about when when they think about the game, but it's definitely something I thought about. What about you? Yeah, no, it's such a good theme on it all. And it's a good sim game, really, isn't it, when you think about it? Mm. It's not just a cult game, it's a sim game as well. See, whenever I think about Fire and Sims, I think about, you know, the, (laughs) the PC game Sims and how I deliberately set my Sims on fire. (laughs) <laughs> and this is why I should have used the word simulation. Not, <laughs> not allowed nice things. 
But no, I, I, I know exactly where you're coming from on that. <laughs> That's where the thematic sort of comes through is you, you are simulating how well, you know, this sort of does is like uh, working together as part of a team to mm. achieve the goals with all your strengths and weaknesses playing in, yeah. which is what a good co-op game should do. Yeah, yeah, com- com- completely agree on that one. Uh, have you got any other any other thoughts that you want to add at this point in in a final summary? No, as I said, I think it's up there. That I don't have many thoughts at all, and thinking hurts my brain. <laughs> has has it stood the test of time for you? At ten years old, do you think this is going to survive and still be talked about in another ten years? There is no way that this game won't be part of my collection forever. It's it sees the table more than often enough. It's just it's easy to pick up, it's easy to play, but difficult to win. That's you know you can't ask for much more from a game. Yeah, a, a real collection keeper then. Yeah, I I hope that they continue to support it, uh, releasing more expansions. As, as Ian said, the last one they released was a massive game changer. So, providing they keep that kind of trend going. I can see this game being around for a long time. But yeah, 10 years, man. I I, I couldn't believe it when I realised that this game was 10 years old. And yeah, it, it put a smile on my face, to be honest, because this is a staple. Um, I think this game needs to be more well-known than it is. I know yeah. they went through a production issue a little while ago where they couldn't keep up with demand, um, which I think is a great sign, actually, of a game, especially when we're talking about a game that's that old and to constantly be going through you know still be in production after 10 years is fantastic so the all-important meeple rating i don't know whether to go first because i'm excited to announce it but i i'm gonna let you go first because it is your game still what is your meeple rating out of 10 for flashpoint fire rescue nine and a half. Oh. It's definitely the highest for Ian so far. If we were including expansions, it's a perfect 10. I <laughs> am actually going to come in and join you at 9.5. I am so happy with this game. It is one of my favourite games. I'm. It's, it's a strange one because it never hits my sort of top 10 games of all time. Um, and I don't know why, because it really is one of them. I think it's just because of how basic the game is. It's not a really in-depth game, but yeah, it's so, so good. If you haven't played it, guys, I urge you, go out, play it. If you don't own it, go out and buy it. It's dirt cheap. It's, you know, it's Monopoly money. That's how good this is. It's Monopoly money. And you heard how long it took me to go through those damn components earlier. (laughs) So I can't recommend this game highly enough and i think ian is exactly the same i have not got all of the expansions coming i have one expansion coming with it i am going to get every expansion i possibly can and i will do what i can to get the one that came up with the original kickstarter as well yep Uh, but we will save going through the expansions for another day because there's so many things i could say about so many of them that are just awesome (laughs) but i don't want to spoil things no i think what we'll probably do guys is we might do that as our next uh game highlight but it'll be a game rather than being an actual game highlight it's gonna be just purely based on the expansions of this and if you have enjoyed this you will 100 percent enjoy that um if you think we've been passionate about this one you haven't seen nothing yet 
is a lot more to come, a lot more for us to talk about in this game and where we think the game could go in the future, I think, as well. Yep. So, yes. Any further comments before we start closing this bit down? No, I think we'll save the rest for the next time. Well, guys, yes, as we said, we are going to close this section down. We'll hand over to our man in the news shed. Thank you very much for listening to this bit. If you have enjoyed it, you know, give it a like or dislike if you can on whatever podcast platform you're listening to this on. Let us know your thoughts and feelings about, one, this podcast, two, me, three, Ian, four, (laughs) Paul, and more importantly, what we really want to know is your thoughts on this game. You can let us know about any of that on any of the social media sites, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. Search for Meeple Minded Media. You will find us. We are there. Um, We read pretty much every single comment that we get, and we reply to it as and when we can. And now over to our resident fire safety hazard, Paul. The following intro has been written and scripted by Brian badly, and acted equally badly by ourselves. It also contains product placement. See if you notice it. Hello, Brian. Hello, Darcy. How are you both? That's fabulous to hear. I'm great, as always. Even greater for seeing you both. Greater, your English needs some work, Brian. Okay, okay, I'll stick to the script. Why? What fantastic board game inspired t shirts you have on? They look amazing. I'd love to own a t-shirt like that. Where did you pick them up from? Wow, an Amazon merch store. What is the Amazon merch store called? Made by Meeples. Fantastic. I'm going to pop on now. Amazon. Search. Made by Meeples. I'm amazed. There are a lot of great designs on here. You say you know the designer, and he's a real class act. My friends around the world would love these too. Are they available anywhere else? (gasps) So my friends in America, Spain, Germany, France, Italy, Japan, and here in the UK can all get hold of these t-shirts from their respective Amazon stores? What the hell? I'm going to order a few designs, including the new Meeple Minded t-shirts. They are one hell of a podcast. That's right, the t-shirts are so well priced too. Why thank you my handsome bestest friend in the entire world and universe, Brian, for telling me about Made by Meeple's t-shirts on Amazon. I can't wait for them to arrive so I can show my love of tabletop gaming. So how was that? Yeah, I thought it was pretty subtle too. Can I get on and read the news now? Thank you very much. With Cora Quest's critical success on Kickstarter for the father and daughter team of Dan and Cora Hughes, I'm happy to announce that they have found themselves a publisher to bring the game to a full market release. Bright Eye Games won out over many interested parties including some top name publishers to secure the publishing rights. Bright Eye Games is very new on the scene but has a pedigree behind it as it's run by the same people behind PSC Games, a local publisher for us here in Sussex, in a new venture for them to expand into the family games market. 
Mark Cook, the third member of the Korra Quest team, will be heading up Bright Eye Games after being involved from the offset in Korra Quest, because he and the new company understand the game from conception to reality. The team behind Korra Quest and Bright Eye Games are keen to express that those who back the game on Kickstarter have nothing to fear in regards to the deal that's been struck and have enforced the following agreements within the deal. Firstly, the retail release of the game will be priced higher than its Kickstarter variant. Kickstarter backers will receive their games a good couple of months before the retail versions hit the shelves. And lastly, the retail versions will be void of vinyl stickers, as well as a few of the dice that would be included in the Kickstarter backed games. They understand that some backers may be unhappy with this, so the no quibbles refund policy remains in place if backers want to take them up on it, which would see a 90% return on your pledge with Kickstarter retaining the other 10%. Dan, Cora and the team have always said that without the support of everyone who backed the campaign, we wouldn't be in a position to sign a publishing deal at all. It was only the success of the Kickstarter that drew various publishers' attention. CoraQuest has always been a community-driven, grassroots project, and all the exciting things that have been happening to us is down to the enthusiasm and the kindness of yourselves. Floodgate Games, responsible for the abstract stained glass pattern building game Sagrada, have just announced their new game, Vivid. Back in the day, when every stick you picked up was a sword, and every bike you rode was your trusty steed, with every memory becoming a possibility. Vivid is a drafting game of building a network of connected memories formed by threads of coloured tokens. Throw in a touch of engine building and a lot of character, this completely language-independent experience invokes the wonder of childhood memories with immersive art and fluid, deceptively simple gameplay that creates big moments and satisfying payoffs. During the game, players take turns collecting fragments of childhood memories, weaving a tapestry of coloured threads in their mind. By cleverly creating connections, players are rewarded for how they store memory fragments while working toward completing core memories, which give repeated benefits each round. Through their journey, players store important moments in their memory bank, choosing to remember the moment as it happened, gaining new abilities, or as it was imagined, giving new opportunities to score, all while working to meet the objective of what they aspire to be when they grow up. Vivid was co-created by Matthew Dunstan, the designer behind set collection archaeology game Relic Runners, and co-designer of escape room title Adventure Games, The Dungeon, and Brett J. Gilbert, famous for games like Dice Heist, and Elysium. Vivid is set to be released sometime this spring, with a retail price yet to be confirmed. Following on from last week's escapade of video games jumping up onto the table, comes the confirmation of the launch date and pledge levels for Monster Hunter World, the board game, onto Kickstarter. April 20th sees the mini-heavy title come to the crowdfunding platform. The game being developed by Steamforged Games alongside Capcom has been teasing elements of the game and its mechanics over on the Steamforged website, together with the sculpts of many of the game's not-so-mini-miniatures. One of them is over a foot tall. Sisters and brothers of the Fifth Fleet, it's time to take your first step into uncharted lands. 
Will you follow the scout flies on a choose-your-own-adventure-style journey, trekking through the steamy jungles of the ancient forests or the festering swamps of the wild spire wastes to gather resources and search for a monster that could appear at any moment? Pledge levels announced include the entry-level pledge at £51 or $70, it includes the ancient forest setting and includes four extra large monsters, four hunters, 600 plus cards and a double sided game board. The next is the core pledge which includes the ancient forest setting together with the wild spire waste set. This adds another three extra large monsters, three extra large monsters, one large monster and one double XL monster with another 600 cards and an additional double sided game board and all unlocked stretch goals. This pledge is set at £102 or $140. Finally, all in baggers can expect to receive one large, seven extra large, three double XL and a triple XL monster. 12 hunters to choose from, over 1800 cards, the two double sided game boards and all unlocked stretch goals. This pledge however comes in at a hefty £203 or $279. For more information and continued designer blogs head on over to the Steamforged website along with pretty pictures of the bigger chores or huger chores, they're big. If you have any other names for not so many minis, then please put your answers on a postcard. Talking to Kickstarter, let's go and find some projects that are live now. First up is Gift of Tulips from Weird Giraffe Games. This is their ninth game to release on the platform. It's for two to six players. It's for ages eight and over. It takes about 20 minutes to complete. And the project closes on Friday, March the 26th. Explore Amsterdam's Tulip Festival to build your bouquet, give tulips to your friends and create a beautiful display in this gorgeous card game for 2-6 players. Players choose between building up their bouquet to try to score major points in the endgame Tulip Festival, giving tulips to other players' bouquets for immediate points and placing tulips in the Tulip Festival to adjust each type's ranking. Each turn players draw one tulip card take an action, then draw another tulip card and take a different action. Gift of Tulips features artwork inspired by the blue and white Delftware pattern that is unique to the Netherlands, the windmills and waterways of the countryside, the flower fields of Kuchenhof and the buildings of Amsterdam. And the pledge levels include a high quality print and play for just £4 or $5 and the game including the print and play is £14 or $19. Other pledge levels available can include other weird giraffe games. Our next game is Caper Europe from Keymaster Games and it's their 8th game and they're famous for producing the game Parks. It's a 2 player game, it's for ages 10 and over and it will take you about 25 to 35 minutes to play and the project closes on Saturday the 27th of March. Your role as criminal mastermind is to recruit a crew of thieves, send them to locations across Europe and provide them with their gear. It's your job to utilise the resources efficiently to steal goods, but being a great mastermind is about more than the things you walk away with. It's the thrill of a well thought out plan coming together, the setup and the sting. 
properly deploy your thieves and gear to dominate locations, outmaneuver your opponent's plans and win the night. You've got 6 rounds to plan and play your cards, nothing like a tight timeline to up the stakes. Controlling the locations isn't everything because priceless stolen goods await the thief who's clever enough to snatch them first. Your goal is to score the most points by winning locations, collecting stolen goods and equipping thieves with their preferred gear. The mastermind with the most points, tallied at the end of 6 rounds, wins. This game can be demoed right now on Tabletop Simulator if you so wish and with only one pledge level at £29 or $39, it's a bit of a steal. And lastly up is Silverwood Grove and it's self-published by Sam Millam. It's for 1-6 to six players, ages 8 and over and it takes about 40 minutes to play and this project closes on Tuesday the 23rd of March. Beyond the borders of humanity lies a hidden glen, Silverwood Grove, a place where every tree, rock and plant has a purpose. Silverwood Grove is a 1-6 to six player game of action selection and action rotation, using an innovative turn phase token that requires you to decide when to take the token, as it costs an action point to change sides. By turning the turn phase token, players can collect and trade resources, and use these resources to fuel their further actions. By synergizing their strategy, players can hire and promote employees, and build and upgrade locations, providing victory points and access to further strategies. Silverwood Grove takes place over 10 rounds, with 5 actions per round. Players score their victory points, and the player with the most is considered the winner and the creator of the greatest region of Silverwood Grove. Pledge levels for the base game are at £22, with a collector's edition including two expansions and additional playable characters at just £33. Again, another game that certainly won't break the bank. Options to include more of Sam's games are there too, including the Lost In series as well as Fairy God Plumber. And heading to events. The Strange Games Festival, formerly the Wilderness Games Festival, runs a fabulous weekend of board gaming, role playing and werewolfing at a secluded campsite in Sussex for a number of years now. The latest post on their Facebook page was in regard to the latest measures put in place by the government as we emerge from lockdown. Usually set for a little earlier in the year, the organisers are hoping to push the event back slightly to late August, maybe September, in a bid to give the easement of restrictions a chance to fully take place. So if you're interested in attending, then please go and join the Strange Games Festival Facebook page and show your interest. As always, you should know the rest. Thursdays is Worthing Board Gamers and Lewis Board Gaming Club's Night Online Gaming. Head on over to their respective Facebook pages for more information. Uh, with Mondays being open for you to join the Crawley Gaming community via Discord. Either gaming or having a tremendous laugh, whatever it ends up being. Look after yourselves, meeples. Stay safe. Keep those dice rolling, cards shuffling, and we'll be right here for you next week. Say goodbye, Brian. And it's goodbye from me. Bye, bye. Thank you very much for that, Paul, and thank you guys for joining us once again for our discussion about Flashpoint Fire Rescue. As I'm sure you have figured, we were incredibly passionate about this game. How did you enjoy talking about Flashpoint, Ian? As you can tell, I'm very tired at the moment, but I can always talk about games that I love, and this is a fine example of that. I absolutely adore this game. It's always been a big part of my collection, and will continue to do so. Yes, definitely. 
we are going to close off there, guys. We will be back talking about this game in about two weeks. Next week, we are going to be talk continuing our topical uh, discussions series, if you like. But yeah, short of that, thank you very much for joining us. It's been a pleasure, and we will see you then. Bye for now. Bye-bye.